My name is Andrew Oliveros, and this is And Andrew, a Washington Commanders and Wizards podcast. Today, I have a very, very special guest, David Harrison, who covers the Washington Commanders and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Sports Illustrated. And also, uh, funny enough, I had the pleasure of working with at Sports Illustrated uh, not too long ago, my senior year at JMU. Uh, David, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate you. I hope you've been doing well. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so as we know, Dan Quinn, new head coach for the Washington Commanders. Um, a little over a week ago, he was introduced to the media. Um, some people liked it. Some people still don't like it because they still want Ben Johnson, even though he's not coming here. People are still kind of caught up with that. I really liked him. I thought he did a great job during his press conference. Uh, but for you, David, how do you feel about Dan Quinn um, after processing his press conference? How do you feel about him as the head, the new head man for the Washington Commanders? I mean, I, you know, I feel good about it. I think that, you know, Commanders fans uh, should should feel good about it, too, especially understanding, you know, the, the the actual makeup of a successful football team and what it takes to really be, uh, you know, successful. Just use the same word twice in, in, in short succession, but, you know, to be successful in a performance-based uh, business, production-based business, right? The, the bottom line is everybody in the National Football League has talent. If you're on an NFL roster, you've got the ability. I used to tell people all the time, uh, fans that would kind of complain about player performances and stuff like that is is that it takes a whole lot of athletic ability to suck in the National Football League. You know what I mean? And and I think it's important to remember that. So really what separates, you know, the, the best teams in the NFL from the worst teams in the NFL is a lot of times it's not as much of a talent gap as people, you know, assume that it is. I mean, granted, you've got your Patrick Mahomes of the world and Christian McCaffrey's and all that stuff. But for the most part, you know what I mean? If you were to stack and rack all the talent in the National Football League, they're all relatively close in in, in, in their relativity to each other. So really, it's about how you're used and how you're led. And when you watch the Washington Commanders over the last three or four years, um, what's really evident is a lack of, of, of leadership in the sense of understanding how to employ what you have on your roster and how to employ it properly uh, to, to defeat your opponent, right? I mentioned this on my own show a lot last year that the Washington Commanders were a very externally motivated team. So when I, when I say externally motivated team, what I mean is they come out to their opponent and they try to find out, okay, what is our opponent going to do? And then we'll react to what they do and then we'll pick up our game. So if the opponent comes out with a high level of energy, then eventually once the Washington Commanders pick up on that energy, they'll match that energy. Uh, but if the, if the opponent is kind of a lower tier uh, type of, of group, then they'll kind of match that energy as well. And that's why you see – so many games with this team where, you know, you face one of the lower teams in the NFL and they're kind of neck and neck. You face one of the better teams in the NFL and you're kind of neck and neck or you get blown out because you're just not ready for that energy and you're never able to catch up to it. And, and that's what I mean by externally motivated teams, whereas the other teams in the NFL that are a little bit a little bit more successful, they're they're internally motivated. And you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at the San Francisco 49ers, those are teams that live and die on their own reputation, on their strategies, on what they want to establish uh, from a week-to-week -week basis. The Baltimore Ravens are that kind of a team. And it's just, it's 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 really a dynamic that is hard to capture uh, in, in real terms. Like, leadership is is often a word that is assigned to a whole lot of people in this world, but leadership, uh, that true leadership is not something that you find very readily available. So when you do find it, uh, it can make some good things happen. I think with Dan Quinn, that's what you find and that's what you see or that's what you hear from him in his introductory press conference. Now it's one conversation, right? It's it's an introduction. It's a first impression. But for first impressions, it was a really good one. Absolutely. I, I loved his energy. I love, I think the biggest thing I really liked about Dan Quinn is 
how he had a plan with what, when he was talking about um, what he wants to do with this football team, he has a plan. He has a plan of action with this team, you know, with Ron Rivera, mm -hmm. like how you were saying, like with his teams, they were reactionary. Right. And they would, they would play to the level of the team that they were playing with. Like how you said with the Chicago bears. And uh, after that game, he would be like, Oh, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta just develop them and just some BS like that. And I just, I was so tired of just hearing the same thing about development, development. And when then they asked him, when they asked Dan Quinn in the press conference, they were like, he was like, we're not talking about development. We're doing like, I forgot the word he exactly used, but he was talking about how he wants to like revamp or like basically take what he has and move forward with it. Yeah. And just, and try to make things better ASAP basically. Yeah. Um, so and then also another thing I really liked, I really liked how he was talking about he's not going to rinse and repeat. I know a lot of uh, people are like, yeah. oh, I don't want Dan Quinn. He's another retread. Well, all I have to say is two words, Andy Reid. You know, people were saying he was going to be a retread. That man has won three Super Bowls since he uh, joined the Kansas City Chiefs as their head coach. So I really like um, Dan Quinn and I and I hope he works out. I'm still not putting all my eggs in, in his basket. But again, that experience like you talked about is very crucial. And I think it's going to go a long way. Um, and not only does he bring that experience, he brings experience with him. He's putting together mm -hmm. a phenomenal coaching staff. I know that we've just gotten names so far. We haven't seen results yet. And that's the biggest thing that us commanders fans and this, uh, analysts want to see. So I'm just curious, what do you, how do you feel about, um, the coaching staff that he's put together so far and who's your favorite, um, hire so far? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think you have to, if you look around, uh, as coach staff, you have to like at least what he's doing, you know, from a from a, a method, you know, uh, approach to it. He's not bringing in his old Atlanta Falcons coaching staff. He's not bringing in just a bunch of Cowboys guys. I know we're on. There's there's a few Cowboys guys on the roster, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. You definitely want to be comfortable with your people that you're working with. But we see time and time again, head coaches get hired and they essentially bring in all of their dudes. And when you're talking about coaches that have already had another job previously, they're bringing in their dudes from that previous job. And then the question always comes up is like, OK, bro, but you got fired from that job. So, you know, why why are you going to try to do the exact same things you did there with the exact same people when it obviously did not work out? And sometimes people's egos get the better of them and they basically just think, well, now that I've learned these lessons, now we can do the same thing, but we can do it better. Uh, and oftentimes it just doesn't work out. Right. So. Uh, evolving and growing is the key to this whole thing. That's what Andy Reid, like you mentioned, uh, has done in Kansas City. That's what Dan Quinn plans on doing here in Washington. And to do that, you know, he, it's not that he hasn't repeated some of his old tricks because uh, if you go back to the time he hired Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, uh, it wasn't a coach that he worked with before. It was a coach that he worked against before. And and Dan Quinn admitted this himself in his introductory press conference. Base. He said, I faced Kyle Shanahan's offense. I said, man, that's a really tough offense to face. I want him to work with me. You know, if you can't beat him, join him or have them join you, right? And Basically, he said the same thing about Cliff Kingsbury. But even with Cliff Kingsbury, you now see these assistant coaches, position coaches, run game coordinators, and all that stuff come in. And, and Andrew, I think, you know, to 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 the man, I think that's really my favorite part of what Dan Quinn is doing is he's bringing in a bunch of checks and balances, right? Like every every run game coordinator in the NFL, their job can be a little bit different, right? But at the, at the bare minimum, bare bones, a run game coordinator's job is to at least help the offensive coordinator prepare the best on how to use the running attack, how to use the running backs uh, against this upcoming opponent to help them formulate their game plan. So when people get concerned about Cliff Kingsbury and say, well, when he was calling plays in Arizona, uh, he would, you know, oftentimes he would get stuck in the weeds and, and, you know, the defense would figure him out and he wouldn't know how to shift. He wouldn't know how to balance and, and just, you know, basically it would just be a lost cause from the moment the defense figured him out. Well, 
when you look at the difference between that job and this job, he's no longer the head coach, so he only has to worry about one side of the ball. Uh, and now he's got these other position coaches, and he's got this run game coordinator, you know, probably a pass game coordinator. There's a pass rush uh, coordinator on the other side of the ball. Like, he has all these other minds uh, to help him make sure that the entire field is being seen because one man, I don't care if you're just the offensive coordinator, you can't see everything. You know what I mean? You can't watch. Uh, I, I do this, you know, every day I do every game. I do an episode after the game in the press box and, you know, I'll say something inevitably. I'll talk about a play and I'll say, you know, on this play, Terry McLaurin did this and it was really good. And here's why. And someone will say, yeah, but you missed Curtis Samuel on the other side of the field doing this. And he was wide open for a touchdown. It's like, well, yeah, you can't watch 11 dudes at one time. You can't watch 22 dudes at one time. So if right. I can't do it with a bird's eye view from the press box, Cliff Kingsbury certainly can't do it, whether he's in the press box or whether he's on the sideline. So having these other eyes to really help him kind of monitor things and keep things going. Uh, and those guys also having experience. I think that's a big part of it, too. Um, it's just all parts of the checks and balances to make sure that they're making the most informed decision they can with as much information as you can. Now, you do start to get worried a little bit about the too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. But that's really uh, that's 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 an emphasis on execution at the end of the day. Right. Like that. And, and so that's going back to Dan Quinn, something that he talked about indirectly, which is really actually makes it stand out even more to me is is leadership and service, service and leadership. Right. Like leadership. Again, we go back to the leadership conversation. A lot of people think leadership is a position. It's I'm your boss, so I'm your leader. You follow me. That's not how leadership actually works. Like real true leadership is a service. It's about tapping into who people are. It's about leading them the right direction. It's about motivating them to do the right things and do things that are needed to make the mission successful. And that's what Dan Quinn talked about without talking about it, which, you know, in, in some ways is a true mark of a leader. So if he's teaching, if he himself is a, is a service type leader, a leader in service, and he imparts that on his coordinators, then what that also does helps you put egos in check because everybody's got an ego. There's there's not a human being on the, on the face of the planet that doesn't have an ego. It's about putting it in check for the good of the group. And if Cliff Kingsbury's ego is in check and he's listening to his run game coordinator, whose ego is also in check and understands that everything he says isn't going to be just taken as a bar of gold and so on and so forth, then hopefully eventually that will lead into the locker room and you'll turn into a t an organization that goes out there and, and rides or dies and plays uh, for each other and for their teammates. And again, you can go back to some of the best organizations in the NFL, uh, even Travis Kelsey, you know, screaming at Andy Reid on the sideline. You see a, a servant leader in Andy Reid who understands that his player, uh, who's also a leader on that team, it's that's not that's not, you know, undisciplined. It's not disrespectful. It's a man who wants to go out there and do his best uh, for his team, not for himself and his own accolades. Uh, he was yelling because he wanted to be out there to lay a block down that would have sprung that run for a touchdown, not saying put me out there and run my route and, you know, and all those things. And so it's just, you know, th those types of mentalities is what you're really looking for in a football team. So as long as those types of things exist, then all of these checks and balances should work in, in harmony. Uh, but that's, again, that's the execution part of it. And that's harder uh, than, than, than the paper part of it because egos, egos are always easier to put in check when you're winning. Uh, it's, it's when things go rough that sometimes those egos run loose. Yeah, absolutely. And like out of so far, there's, there's so many names. It, it, it just goes on and on. And you're like, wow, that name. Oh my goodness. That name. Uh, the, there's like, like we were talking about Cliff Kingsbury. We've got Joe Witt Jr. Um, John Pagano, um, Anthony Lynn, most recently, he was a lot of, a lot of these people have so much experience, years and years of experience. So out of the guys that they've hired so far, who's your favorite? Um, I gotta say, I think Anthony Lynn is to be quite honest with you. And, and again, it's, it's part of that, 
that checks and balances process. And I really just like what the, what the purpose of it is. Right. So Anthony Lynn is a well-respected coach in the national football league. And, you know, there's not a lot of jobs available after the Super Bowl, unfortunately, but I don't feel like Anthony Lynn is a man who is, you know, hard pressed for work and, and all those things and needed someone to do him a favor. You know, you look at, uh, you know, we go back to hire Cliff Kingsbury um, and Kyle Shanahan and, and, the, and these relationships and Dan Quinn's own hiring, to be quite honest with you, like a lot of people viewed, Dan Quinn is kind of coming out of nowhere, but you got to remember Adam Peters worked with Kyle Shanahan. Dan Quinn worked with Kyle Shanahan. So there's a very good chance that Kyle Shanahan put a bug in Adam Peters' ear or at least was consulted and asked about Dan Quinn as a coach and as a man. But when you look at Anthony Lynn, again, it's a man who's got experience. It's a man who has been at the top, but then he's also worked for somebody. You know what I mean? He's, he's a guy who's much older than, than Kyle Shanahan, been coaching in the league, I believe, anyway, longer than Kyle Shanahan, but he was able to work for him and work within his system and make sure that he was just a part of the success that they were having on the offense. And, you know, you talk about a team that has the ultimate counter to what everybody says, like everybody at number one, number two in the NFL draft, what do we always hear? You have to take quarterback. You have to take quarterback. You have to take quarterback. Well, the San Francisco 49ers going Super Bowl with a, with a seventh round pick, the very last pick in the NFL draft. And that's not to say like, oh, you don't need it. You can take quarterback in the seventh round and go to the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. But what, what, I, what, what I want people to understand is the internal operations that go into making a seventh round pick. Yeah, Brock Purdy was probably a little bit underrated uh, coming out of uh, out of Iowa State, but what is he, was he underrated by 250 picks? No, like he wasn't underrated that much. There's a reason he fell as far as he did, but the operation around him, the coaching for him, and again, those, those coaching staff minds coming together and working. So when you talk about worrying about egos and getting too many cooks in the kitchen, well, Anthony Lynn has already proven that he can be a part of a system. He doesn't have to be the star of the system, the face of the system. He is willing to be a part of the team and, and a working part of it to make things hum. And when you talk about the concerns that some people have about Cliff Kingsbury, that's exactly the kind of guy you need is someone who's going to be uh, kind of that steward of the offense to help it run smoother. So I, I think for those reasons, the concerns on Cliff, which uh, are unfounded in Washington right now, but certainly you look back at some of the history and you understand why people have some nervousness. I think that for that reason, that's, that's one of my favorite, but as a football fan, Ken Norton Jr. Like, I remember being a kid. Ken, Ken Norton Jr. was one of my favorite players uh, yeah. for the way he played, the style of play, and obviously the success that he had with the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. I wasn't a Cowboys or a 49ers fan, but I was a Ken Norton Jr. fan. So I, I can't lie, man. Like, the, we, we have uh, – we get to meet all the assistant coaches and the new hires next Wednesday, and, you know, I, I'm not – I'm going to do my job and be professional, but there's going to be a part of my – part of my history, part of my internal child – that is, is is fanboying out when I see Ken Norton Jr. for the first time because that's going to be uh, quite the moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. I um, Whenever I see, like, players or talk to coaches or just, like, uh, doing stuff for DC News now, I remember I was uh, in the locker room, and uh, I was with Derek Forrest, the sports anchor at DC News now, and uh, sports director also as well, phenomenal person. And he just went over to Jahan Dotson and he was like, Hey man, can I ask you a question? And I, and he was like, yeah, sure. And he was just going like one-on-one -on -one asking him that question. And I was like, you're talking like inside my inner child was like, you're talking to Jahan Dotson right now. Right. But like in the moment I was just kind of keeping my face uh, neutral and just being like, Oh, just uh, doing a job talking to uh, someone I look up to, but you know what? I'm just going to keep to my, keep my composure. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so uh yeah for me I really like um there's so many different people on this uh, on the staff that I really enjoy but I really do like um defensive coordinator Joe Witt Jr. I absolutely mm -hmm. love even though I will never say I'm 
liking stuff from the Dallas Cowboys because I'm a Commanders fan, but I have to put respect where it is. And he did phenomenal with Dallas. I mean, the stats talk for themselves. He made a turnover machine in Dallas with a secondary unit. Um, last year, they were top five in picks. Uh, 2021, they had 59 interceptions, led the league. I mean, this man gets his guys to turn over the ball, something Washington has not been doing in a very, very, very long time. Um, so I really like that for them. And then a secondary guy for me that I also really like, uh, like a close second, is John Pagano, um, mm -hmm. serving as a special defensive assistant. I don't know too much about him. Um, I know he has a lot of experience. And I think the biggest thing that I like about him, though, is that he was sought out for this offseason, supposedly, uh, according to reports. Mm -hmm. And I just love how he – I want somebody to be on my team that other teams want, you know, so – um, I'm very excited to see what, what John Pagano can do. Something about Coach Pagano, too, when he was the defensive coordinator of the San Diego Chargers at the time, during the stretch where he was their defense coordinator, they were top five in takeaways. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you just look at all the the details behind these coaches, you're like, man, this is going to be a, a hell of a uh, coaching staff. And, like, I really I really like what you said there, David, about, like, checks and balances. These Because you mm -hmm. could be like, oh, like how people – like people who are like – pessimistic and nervous and like a little one eye sleeping with one eye open they're like oh i don't know like going head to head with their ideologies and their egos but like checks and balances you know it's, it's they're here to win you know they're not here at this point in their career they're not here to like try to prove something like maybe internally a little bit but like big picture they just want to win and be a part of something successful so and I also think Dan Quinn will also keep them in check, you know, because this Dan Quinn is a man of uh, a leader of men, you know, and he's he's not someone who's trying to take all the praise. You know, he just wants to win football games. So um, I think it's going to I think it's going to work out. And then my final question for you is I'm just curious, how do you feel about Adam Peters so far? Do you um, like him, not like him? I know most most people really like him. Um I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't really know. They kept um, Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew. That's a little, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But um, as as Josh Harris says, with all his, his uh, the people he works with, I'm just going to trust the process <laughs> with, with this situation. Um, I believe in Adam Peters because he comes with success, you know. So, but yeah, how do you feel about Adam Peters and newly acquired assistant GM Lance Newmark? I mean, this guy comes with a lot of experience, um, did great stuff with the Lions. So how do you feel about those two guys? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I'll, I'll say this about Adam, you know, just talking to him a couple of times, you know, since he's been hired and 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 having some interactions with him and understanding just kind of how he carries himself. I mean, he, he looks like a professional dude. He looks like the kind of guy that you want uh, doing that kind of a job. And what I really appreciate about what Josh Harris is doing overall is I think he's building this organization the right way. You know, uh, you know, everybody's out there, personal, you know, preferences and all that stuff. My personal preference. I've always liked a GM that focuses on the personnel on the roster, coach focuses on the football operation, and going even a step deeper, I always liked head coaches uh, that didn't necessarily call one side of the ball or the other. You're you're supposed to run the entire team, uh, both sides of the ball, all three phases of the team uh, are your responsibility. So, you know, I've always kind of taken the mindset of if your mind is focused on game day on one side of the ball versus the other, well, then there's two phases of football out of three that you really don't have 100% attention on because you just you can't possibly right it's just not it's just not uh, possible so I think it's a really hard thing to do uh, even though it's the trend in the NFL uh, to be a head coach and also run one side of your own team um, so I'm happy that Dan Quinn is, is is taking that path on doing it and I think all of that speaks to uh, what this what this team is trying to do you know what I mean I think Adam Peters and Josh Harris you know just starting with that hire it's it's all about 
how do we want to make these decisions and what kind of team do we want to be? Right. And anytime you're a decision maker, look, there's no guarantees that anything's going to work out. Right. Like we can like what Dan Quinn said and we can like the checks and balances and we can like the experience of the hires and and all those stuff. We can dislike the fact that they hired an offensive line coach who had the word one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL the last two years. Like yeah. all of those reactions and, and, and feelings right now are all valid. You know what I mean? I always kind of prefer to look at the the positivity and the, and the possibilities versus look at the negativity, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I remember Wes Unsell jr. you you cover the wizards, right? Wes Unsell jr. When he was hired, yeah. uh, everybody's through the roof. You know what I mean? People were talking NBA championship and then, you know, <laughs> here we are this year and people couldn't wait to run him out of town even before the season. So, you know, right. look, you know, the, the impressions you get in the beginning uh, really don't amount to much. And, and the coaches understand that the GM understands that. But I think, like I said, going back to being a decision maker, whether it's in football, whether it's, you know, at a, at a mom and pop shop, a gro local grocery store, if you're a decision maker in any walk of life, really the key is making every decision you make for the best reasons. Right. Um, and what are those reasons? And, and yeah, that's your, that's your organizational identity. So as long as Josh Harris, Adam Peters and Dan Quinn are lockstep on what their organizational identity is going to be or is, is right now, and they're making their decisions based on that organizational identity, then you're going to get the best product that this group can put on the field. Like that's, that's the only thing you can promise. You know what I mean? Now, is that best product going to be a Super Bowl winning team? We will have to find out. That, that, is that best product going to be a six win team? Again, we'll have to find out. But at the end of the day, the key thing is you're looking for these these same characteristics. You're looking for the same mantra. You're looking for the same mentality. You're not bringing in a guy who wants to be this, you know, drain the clock, be conservative, don't take risks, coordinator on one side of the ball, and then the other side of the ball. You got a guy that just wants to go balls to the wall and take every risk possible. No, like you need everybody to be kind of on the same page of who we are as an organization. Uh, and I think so far that's what they're doing with these hires. Now, again, uh, it's all got to blend. But, you know, so for that reason, I mean, that's all we can really anticipate right now. We'll have to see what kind of moves they start making on the roster and and trades and signings and and, and decisions. Um, The biggest thing I think to take away from Adam Peters is with the quarterback situation. Um. You know, the, the San Francisco 49ers gave up a lot to go get Trey Lance, and it didn't work out, mostly due to injury, to be quite honest with you. But whatever, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And at the end of the day, uh, the 49ers made a relatively quick decision to go ahead and move on from that decision. And I think that's key because a lot of times when these organizations make decisions based on quarterbacks, especially, they stick with them and they get stuck with them. Uh, so I think it's really important to see in an organization the ability to understand when you've made a mistake uh, and move on from that mistake, you know, and and that's what I saw with the San Francisco 49ers and Trey Lance because at the end of the day, man, like they they had to trade a package to go get that pick and to go get that quarterback. But we hear nobody talking about how they mortgage their future for Trey Lance because they're still in the Super Bowl. So, again, it comes down to personnel decisions. You're not starting and building your roster based on salaries and draft picks. You're building your roster and, and your and your your lineup based on who deserves to be on the field. And as long as, again, that's the motivation behind everything they do then you're going to get the best version of the Washington Commanders. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, David. I mean, I, I, I kind of become in a way just a little bit speechless when I think about the leadership that we have right now, because for the longest time, the connection between general manager, ownership, coaching, players, the connection was just never there. You know, with Dan Snyder, it feels so weird. Like I was, I, I saw a picture the other day or a video the other day of Dan Snyder, and I was like, I kind of forgot about this guy, you know, like he put so much like damage into this organization. And finally, we actually have competent leadership that has a picture, a vision. Right. And they want to work with that and collaborate, you know, because with Dan Snyder, the man barely appeared in public. 
he didn't collaborate. He just did whatever he wanted to do, you know? Um, and it just feels so refreshing. And yeah, I think the biggest word is just refreshing in terms of what this team can do. That's the word of the day, che- che- or the words of the day, checks and balances. I, I just absolutely love that. But again, I like how you said as well, like we just kind of need to wait and see what they do because that's the biggest thing that I feel like for Washington has been has been dealing with for a year in and year out. They've always had the best off season of the year, you know. Um, but then when the season comes to comes into play, then they don't put results on the field, you know. And that's the that's the end goal for any football team. So I'm going to trust the process as uh, Josh Harris has implemented with Philly teams, and he's kind of brought to this uh, into this organization with the Commanders. But also, I'm just ready to see results because for so long they've everything's been a lot of talk but no action. And I believe the player, the people that they brought into this organization are about making change and putting it into action. So I really um, am excited about that. But David, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, for joining mm-hmm. me. This is And Andrew, a Washington Commanders and Wizards podcast. You can catch me on Spotify podcasts, Apple podcasts. David, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you.